to the Noah Davis Watchcast. I think we are on episode three. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure it's the third week of this. I'm here to talk to you about everything I watched. Uh, you know, that's it's a lot. I don't know if, if you don't know me, you'll, you, you'll soon find out that I watch a lot of things. And if you do know me, you already know. So let's get right into it. I'll start off with the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I... Refused to make this a long review because the movie was not complex enough or terrible or good enough to receive such a long and complex review. So, I'll keep it short. Nice and simple. The movie is nice and simple. Not my critique. But my critique is nice and simple. The movie's nice and simple. I hate the self-narration, but it worked okay in this instance. The flow was my biggest critique. Uh, it almost felt like a streaming movie, if that makes sense. If you've watched any of the bigger streaming movies these days, like Extraction and that uh, Triple Frontier, you know how those movies, you watch them, and yet you can't really say exactly when what happened when, you know? Uh, there's, a, there's a scene here, there's a scene there you remember, but when you, it all comes together, you're kind of left with this not mess, but a, uh, a jumbled project. Uh, I would, I would equate it to the first hour of Rogue One, you know, where there is so much going on and just the, the timing and pacing is so weird that you've jumped 10 planets in the first hour and you're not sure exactly where you're going, but yeah. This is not that. This is not as good as Rogue One, but it does provide a fun experience, and it's not bad or terrible by any means. It's just not fantastic. It's not perfect. It's not It's not anywhere near that. It's not a masterpiece of cinema. It's a fun movie, action-based, kind of a typical plot. Well, yeah, kind of a typical plot, and you can kind of guess all the beats. You get it. It's Dungeons & Dragons the movie, you know? And Chris Pine can carry most movies on his shoulders, so he does it again. Like, if, if Chris Pine was not in this movie, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know if it would have been good, so that might tell you all you need to know. Moving on to some more fantastical things. I watched the old Jason and the Argonauts movie by uh, Harry Hauser and his production crew. You cannot deny the special effects. I mean, some of those scenes look great even to this day. Whether The Skeleton Warriors, bro... I mean, <laughs> those look awesome. I, I'm not even sure how some of the special effects were achieved. I love how practical some of the things are. There's a scene where they basically need to unscrew a cap off a giant's ankle. So 
the production crew or the the uh, the prop crew clearly made it in a way that the spear or the character's spear can go in between the two notches and twist. And I know that's a very simple thing, but it just provides almost a context of the utility of these special effects and how there's actually some sense behind them. I will talk about how it's more in line with the epic, not, well, not exactly, but it's more in line with the epic than an actual flow of a normal movie, you know, conventional intro, rising action, all that. It's, a little bit scattered, much like the D&D movie in, a, in its own way, you know, but much like the D&D movie where it's almost an excuse for set pieces rather than development. And while that does work sometimes, I mean, it, it totally can work. I'm not denying that. Whether it be movies like Dread or The Raid, those work. Those are just set piece after set piece after set piece, and there's not a huge narrative going on you're just kind of there for the next scene to the next scene to the next scene this movie it it sort of works i i will say the bombastic score plays into it really well but then all of that is kind of undermined by the weird sexy dance and the the and the, the promises of continuing adventures, whether it be Hercules' whole story and that, which makes no sense. <laughs> I just want to reiterate, if you've seen this movie, Hercules' whole thing makes no sense. Since the goddess told them, whatever, whatever, whatever. If you've seen the movie, hopefully you know. But that, that literally made no sense because the goddess was like, yo, this is what's up. And Hercules is like, nah, dog, I'm going to go. I'm going to find this dead guy. Even though, again... The goddess herself said, hey, you need to need quit looking for the dead guy. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But we'll move on. We'll, we'll move on to the parts of the movie that it straight up reuses multiple shots. There is a part where they are rowing away from Talos, the Titan. Or Talos, how they say it, the Titan. And... Jesus Christ, they re reuse the same shot eight or nine times. And it's more than one second and it's very apparent and in your face and it annoyed the fuck out of me to the point that I realized they're rowing the boat backwards. Yeah. This boat that they're rowing away from the Colossus of Rhodes or not the Colossus of Rhodes, <laughs> but Talos they're rowing away or they're rowing towards it and the cut scene or the cutscenes, the scenes cut to the rowers facing towards the Colossus Titan and giant rowboats, your crew faces opposite. They don't see where they're going. Their back is to the front. So maybe I missed something and maybe the boat turned around, but I'm pretty sure everybody was just rowing backwards for no goddamn reason. And I'm honestly not sure if they were rowing backwards the entire movie after noticing that I didn't want to go back and ruin the flow or my immersion, but they were rowing backwards. <laughs> there's, there's no other, no other way about it. They were rowing backwards. They were even doing the pool thing. They weren't, they weren't even switching their hands up. It wasn't anything like that. So, you know, a very small problem, but you would think somebody would have noticed that. Maybe not. I don't know. It, the movie itself feels more like a, an adventure rather than a movie. 
And while that might have been really cool back in the days when people thought John Wayne made good movies, uh, yeah, that's right. Any old heads listening to this, I just said that. So get some. This might have worked a little better, but to me, there's there's simply no flow to this movie. It's yes, the narrative has a simple flow and all, has a really cool setup. I will say I really appreciate the setup of the plot and how the king, you know, tricks Jason and all that. I love all that, but when you just combine all the scenes together, there's no to dwell on certain scenes and to not dwell on other scenes. It feels much more in line with an adventure or a book and not a movie. And that I believe is detrimental to the movie. As much as I love an unconventional style or an unconventional movie, this feels conventional for the time, but unconventional for now. Where there was a mystique and intrigue to movies similar to this nowadays, such as the green Knight. There is no mystique and no intrigue in Jason and the Argonauts. At least none, none that I was aware of. I It feels pretty straightforward. The You know what? The acting is really good. I'll give them that. The guy who plays Jason kills it. Love that. That man's voice is awesome. I could listen to that man talk me to sleep. You know, he could, he could say whatever he wanted to me. Uh, and they do great jobs all around. It's just, it never really reaches its full potential in my personal opinion, it, it's more like a great episode of Gunsmoke, you know, <laughs> it's, that's my most apt comparison because while all the effects and the set pieces and even the choreography at times is incredibly impressive, I mean, absolutely impressive and you have to realize what it did and its place in cinematic history, yet it's not an amazing movie. That it doesn't save the movie. That doesn't, oh, it's got good special effects, so that means it's a perfect movie. That's not how it works. And I, I apologize to you, Mr. Harryhausen, but it's just it's it's just not how it works. Just not how it works, Ray. That's all. Your place in history will be forever solidified. But this movie, not perfect. It's it's an okay watch. I would put it literally right beside D D, probably a seven out of ten. I don't know if I said D&D was a 7 out of 10, but it's probably a 7 out of 10. Nothing crazy. Jason the Argonauts, it might be something you've never seen before. But if you've seen the movies that copied Jason the Argonauts and actually even other Harryhausen movies, you might have seen some of this stuff before. And before I end this review, I just want to end it with a little facet of information. The ending is awful. It's just, it's either the ending to the actual epic or the ending to an executive who wanted a sequel or spinoffs. The ending, oh, <laughs> I did not care for that ending whatsoever. Detracted from the movie. So yeah, 7 out of 10, that's it. Uh, I do not go higher. D&D, you could argue me to a 7.5. Jason the Argonauts, you could not hire, argue me to a 7.5. And the last review for this week is The Hobbit 3. I talked about The Hobbit 1 and 2 last week or the week before. I finally got around to watching The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. And Jesus Christ, it's just as bad as I recall. Nothing changed. Almost nothing changed. My opinions did not change whatsoever. Anything I complained about... The problems with the first and second one are times five in this one. I just, 
I don't get it. The beginning is literally an ending to another movie. What? I understand that you might have to recap people, but these movies came out a year apart. There's not, there's not a sense of urgency or a sense of, oh, I totally forgot how you padded out this Hobbit story. I knew exactly how you padded out the Hobbit story. I didn't need you to subtract from the second one by yanking its ending away and then putting it in the first 20 minutes of the third one for no reason. If anything, it makes the second and this one worse. The flow of this one is absolutely ruined. I mean, it's riddled throughout, but it's ruined at the get-go by having this climax start off so high and then you just, you never get to that peak ever again. That's the best part of the movie is the first 10, 15 minutes. And the only time I can think of that or I think of another situation where that that's the case is X-Men Origins Wolverine. So if your movie ever gets compared to X-Men Origins Wolverine and not in a oh, this is how good a movie can get versus how bad a movie can get light, you know you done fucked up because uh, this this movie has so many problems, it, it kind of hurts. And it sucks because I love Luke Evans and his character is has at least some sort of substance because he doesn't get a lot of those characters, but it's, you know, just a squandered by the end. The extended edition might make the movie worse. It adds a ton of contextual scenes whether it be the scene where Gandalf is imprisoned by Sauron and he gets saved by the magic squad, uh, or the extra scenes between Feely and the elf lady, or I can't recall. There's other scenes. Oh yeah. The extra scenes that set up the actual orcs and their positions and all that. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Even the extended edition doesn't help anything. And if anything, it makes it worse because you could look past the unfinished CGI in the original Lord of the Rings extended edition because that CGI, I mean, isn't amazing anymore. If you, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's not amazing anymore. So the unfinished CGI doesn't stand out as much as it might have. The Hobbit, though, the unfinished CGI, such as the CGI for the Witch Kings, holy crap. So bad it hurts. I mean, just looks like a 2D at home. Oh, I did this. Here's a ghost knight guy. And it, it literally looks like that, especially when they're fighting them. It's atrocious looking. And that atrociousness brings me to the other thing that looks atrocious is the high frame rate. The high frame rate is hilarious because in a day of streaming, it's hardly noticeable. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because of streaming or because of browsers. It doesn't matter. It's hardly noticeable on my computer. Maybe a TV would make it better. Hardly noticeable on the computer. And when you do notice it, it's just the high frame rate aspect that makes it look like, you know, the soap opera or your TV that has the motion plus or the motion sensor plus or the auto motion, yada, yada, turn that stuff off. It absolutely ruins the look of some movies in my personal unprofessional opinion, absolutely ruins the look of a lot of movies and it ruins the look of all movies other than animation. Anything that's not animation is going to look worse with all that stuff on. So the Hobbit 3, when you notice the high frame rate, it just looks like you have that stuff on. And I don't know what PJ was thinking. PJ was in over his head with this trilogy. He he bit off far more than he could chew. 
I'm not saying that as a, oh, he's an inexperience. Obviously, the man's not inexperienced, but the man helped co-write the screenplay. He's wanted to direct the Hobbit movie or adaptation since 1990 Dickity 2. He knew the production. He knew the crew. He knew the producers. He worked with Guillermo del Toro on the script. And yet, when you talk about these movies being a failure, Tolkien fans and Peter Jackson fans are always like, oh, well, it wasn't like all him, yada, yada. Even though, if you look at the evidence, Peter Jackson's the only one who said anything about a trilogy. There's nothing pointing towards the idea that New Line forced Peter Jackson into a trilogy. If you look at the information we have, and just that alone, Peter Jackson was fully on board with the trilogy idea, and so I do think this is on him. I mean, who else would it be on other than him and the producers? And it's, God, it's disappointing. It's straight up disappointing, because it leads right into Fellowship of the Ring, literally leads right into it. And that only makes it worse. It makes it worse because I'm just reminded of the better movies, the better projects, the better adaptation. You know, it's, it just, it's like when the house of the dragons, well, it's not exactly, but it's like when house of the dragons said the term game of thrones kind of pissed me off because I was like, Oh fuck. You reminded me of that again. This kind of the reverse. Cause it's like, Oh fuck. You remind me of what's way better than what I'm watching now again. And that, I don't know. It's I didn't even get to like the real movie parts. I'm just complaining about everything around the plot. Let's not let's not get into the plot that's so bleh, just Thorin. Thorin's character development makes no sense whatsoever. There's usually an event or an occurrence that changes the character, and that's usually how it works. You know that that's how it works. Just period, how it's worked for fiction and nonfiction alike. It's how it works. That never happens. Thorin just one second goes, Hey, I'm an evil king dude. I want my gold. And then the next second he's like, No, I'm a I'm a dwarf and I I, I defend my dwarf brothers, even though I literally said I'm gonna kill you. I literally like two seconds ago I said I'm gonna kill you, and then now I'm like, nah, I ain't got my crown on, so I'm cool. I'm cool, Thorin, bro. And then that's not even to say or talk about the convenience of the giant mine they're in. They talk about how it takes like days to travel through and you know the Mines of Moria took weeks to travel through. Yet in this movie, it takes three seconds from, you know, Bilbo walking down to Thorin to Thorin walking to the uh, smelted gold on the ground to Thorin walking up to the gate. No time passes when they do this. And it's just funny and convenient, and I understand why, but someone should have thought about that. You know, it's it makes me think, oh, they just wanted the set piece instead of the actual logical next step in the story. And, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's just I can still complain about it, you know. Man, I don't know where to go next, uh, whether it's. The battle scenes, which do get better with the extended edition, yet. The fact that they're so much longer in the extended edition, or, you know, they add maybe like one minute to each battle, which actually is a ton because my problem with the theatrical cut is that the battling made no sense and it just cut from battle to battle without actually showing any of the battle. This shows more of it. I mean, it might just be a few extra minutes, but it does help with that complaint. If you thought the battles were weak in 
Battle Five Armies, this does help a lot. Yet, it kind of over-inundates the movie with just scenes and scenes and buffer and fluff and <laughs> filler. You never feel like you're getting to the end in a in a useful, efficient manner. You know, it, 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 <laughs> you're watching a movie to get to the end. It's it's not that the movie is taking you to the end. You're just there till the end. You just, oh, it's hard to describe until you've sat down and watched this trilogy of movies. I, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. I think my review's kind of done. I could talk about the the random small things that just give this experience a hollow or a vapid feeling. You know, very shallow. There's nothing... I don't believe there are a ton of nuances in these movies. Whereas the Lord of the Rings trilogy, watching it again for the sixth or seventh time, or, you know, whatever time all the way through all three of them, I picked up some extra nuances. This I just rewatched for the second time. And there were, there were no nuances I picked up nothing. I mean, there's nothing new. There was no layer added. It just feels unintelligent. That might be the greatest way to summarize my review. Just feels unintelligent, lackluster, and there there's not much else to say. I mean, I could get in the nitty gritty, but I think I've done enough and I need to cut this episode off since we've hit the 20 minute mark. So on that note, this has been episode three of the Noah Davis Watchcast, and I'll see you next week on episode four. I'm out of here, guys. Oh, oh yeah, and the tagline, always on watch or something. Always watch out. It just feels like a safety thing if I say always on watch or watch out. Always watching, see, it just feels creepy. Like if you had a shirt that said always watching, I, you know, that'd be a big brother, ironic big brother shirt. That's not, that wouldn't really get the point across. Watch, yeah, watch out. It's just, it's not... We'll think of something. We'll, you know, we'll continue. We'll keep going. We'll spitball. Conceptualize. We'll do it. We'll figure it out. We'll get a tagline so I can say at the end. Because on my other podcast, I just say I'm out of here. But on this podcast, I'll just say, see you next week. And goodbye.